This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time. In less than two weeks, America will elect a new president. And during this all-consuming campaign, Donald Trump says the media is biased against him. Well, my guest today reports on the media for a living and for 25 years. Howard Kurtz has written and reported for The Washington Post and CNN and now the Fox News Channel. And Howie, welcome to Hammer Time. Hey, Bill. How do you become a media reporter? Um, somebody gives you the job, which means you get paid to do what everyone else in America does, which is critique the media, which has become more and more important uh, with every passing year. When I started this, there wasn't much of an Internet, so I was more focused on newspapers yeah. and television and that sort of thing. W- were there any media critics when you started? There were a couple. It wasn't an industry. And also, this is before social media when I started doing this in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And so now everybody in America is a media critic and go on Twitter, go on Facebook and pop off. And I think that's really healthy that it's not just a top-down conversation, but I also believe that media uh, affects so much of our lives that it really is um, worth examining, not just in politics, but in everywhere. I think you do a terrific job at it, and that's part of the reason why you're working here. So let's start with the basic claim. Trump says the system's rigged. Um, What does he allege about media bias, Howard? He has been ratcheting up his rhetoric, as you know, Bill, uh, since the beginning of this campaign. He now sees a dishonest and corrupt media. He has called out many, many news organizations by name, many journalists and commentators by name. That works for him with his base. In the last couple of months since the conventions, I would have to say Trump has a very solid point Hmm. in that I have never, in all of my years covering politics or just watching it, seen um, such a pile-on, so much negativity, so much hostile coverage aimed at one candidate and even some journalists trying to justify the imbalance between the way that Trump is covered and Hillary Clinton. uh, Give me an example. Um, Every day, pick up the New York Times, turn on cable TV. You see lots and lots of stories, not just about, you know, is Trump ahead or behind in the polls? Uh, You see stories in which um, uh, there are lots of investigative reporting about the Trump Foundation and his business record and inflammatory things he has said. And has he changed positions on this, that, or the other thing? And does he cheat at golf? I mean, it goes on and on and on. Now, I have to add quickly that some of this is the ammunition that Trump himself provides to the media because he says a lot of inflammatory things. Then he kind of takes it back. Maybe he doesn't. Um, Even negative coverage has worked for him in the past. At the moment, not so much. Mm. Do you have examples where he's wrong? Um, sure. Uh, mm. Examples where he's wrong. I mean, right now, Donald Trump says the polls are rigged. I don't think polls can be wrong, but I don't think there's any evidence that they are rigged. Uh, Donald Trump says that um, 
uh, let's see, um, you know, that it's not fair to focus on the fact that he went to Gettysburg and gave a policy speech, but began, and I know you covered this on America's Newsroom, by talking about the uh, female accusers, women accusing him of sexual misconduct, and how they are liars, and how he plans to sue them after the election. Now, we can debate whether that deserves more or the same or less coverage than his contract with American voters, but Trump himself often provides the ammunition that That's, the media not terribly well disposed uh, that's very in, it's very interesting, Howard, that you mentioned that, because sometimes as reporters, we're looking for the headline, and the headline doesn't always give you the whole story. You know, I think about the debate in Las Vegas after 90 minutes last week, and everything in the spin room was, Trump says the election's rigged, and that seemed to take on a life of its own, despite the fact that that debate started on really conservative values when it comes to his expression about the Second Amendment or Supreme Court or Roe versus Wade. Here's the thing. One of the reasons I find Trump so fascinating is that I have covered him on and off uh, since the late 80s in New York when he first wrote The Art of the Deal. Trump knows how to push all the buttons. That's how he was able to get so much coverage during the primaries, giving constant interviews where his Republican rivals were not. He knows when he says the system is rigged or uh, Miss America is fat or I'm going to sue the women or I'm going to attack the Khan family, the gold star family that spoke at the Democratic Convention. He knows that this will drive days of cable coverage, that this will dominate the internet. He does it, I believe, deliberately. Maybe sometimes he just can't help himself. And then uh, what happens is that he then complains about the coverage or says it was taken out of context or he was being sarcastic. So he bears some responsibility here. At the same time, uh, you look at some of these news organizations and even some media critics saying, well, Trump is such a different, even dangerous candidate that we have to apply different standards to the way we cover him. And that, to me, is moving beyond what I would call the definition of journalism. It appears that you could almost do a heat map, Howard, Mm -hmm. where where you could figure out the number of headlines that were positive or the number of headlines that were negative. That's that's kind of what I hear you describing when you think about presidential elections and how you have not seen it go against one person as significantly or as dominantly, perhaps, as it has here. I don't think there's is that any a, is, dispute is that a fair, about it. Is that a fair statement? That's an absolutely fair statement. I mean, there are ultra-liberal uh, commentators like Glenn Greenwald who say the media are 100 percent against Donald Trump, and he does not like Donald Trump. I would say the stories about him right now, especially if you throw in the horse race stories, tend to one negative at the very least. And here's the problem, Bill. There's another candidate running them, Hillary Clinton. Yes, she's been on the public stage for three decades, so we already knew a lot about her and her past scandals and her time as First Lady and Whitewater and Travelgate and all of that. And yes, the email scandal was covered uh, intermittently, depending on what was in the news. But just in terms of sheer volume, the amount of news, the amount of coverage devoted to Hillary Clinton, who sometimes seems to go out of her way not to make news and let Trump sort of wallow in whatever Mm. uh, controversy he's created, is far, far, far less than the amount of media attention given to Donald Trump, which may be related, Bill, to the fact that when we write about Trump, when we talk about Trump, when we broadcast about Trump, uh, that tends to drive clicks and ratings. Yeah. How long were you at the Washington Post? Uh, Almost 30 years. Wow. CNN? 
Um, let's see, about uh, two decades. Uh, <laughs> part-time. Uh, how about here, a part-timer here at Fox, how many years? Um, just past my three-year anniversary at Media Buzz. Nice, congratulations. Sunday's 11 Eastern. <laughs> uh, the reason I ask, generally speaking, the media is seen as liberal. I mean, on its face, do you agree with that or not? I agree with this. I think it is fair to say that most journalists lean to the left, especially on social issues. I mean, you talk about guns, abortion, gay rights, and, and the like. Um, based on my experience in newsrooms and my observations about what was written and said and broadcast, I don't think there's much question about it. Then the And politically, well, we're certainly seeing in this campaign, I think, much more leaning to the left. But I think most people who go into the business as reporters, I'm not talking about commentators here, try to do a fair job when it comes to politics. Sometimes they're not aware of the biases that they may have or their friends may think the same way, the people they go to parties with and that sort of thing. Wow. Because generally speaking, my, my feeling is that the underlying attraction for television or for written media um, has not changed in decades. You know, people are attracted to the profession because of the stories or the causes or some believe they can exact change. And sometimes you can through journalism. Um, you get the challenge of performing under deadlines. Um, you become an eyewitness to history in many cases. Uh, you have the attraction of a television studio, the, you know, the power that the box gives people. I, I think out of those 10 options, perhaps you could choose two or three that fit each person. Do you generally agree with that? I do. And I think a lot of especially young reporters go into the business to try to change the world, make the world a better place, which tends to maybe take them in a sort of a more reform or a liberal direction. Uh, over time, they may modify that. But here's always the test. Like Tell We me. all have biases. We all have baggage. We all grew up as the subject of certain influences. How well can we separate that when we try to be in the Fox race fair and balanced and be fair to both sides in a debate, both candidates in an election, um, with varying degrees of success? Some don't try very hard. Some try very hard. Um, but it is, it is, there is no such thing as perfect objectivity. Mm. Is that how you explain it to young people? That's I how mean, I try. Yeah. I mean, I got lots of opinions on lots of things. But when I'm <laughs> writing a news story or I'm interviewing someone, um, I try to be straight down the middle. I, I know you share that. Um, people, you know, I'm not... People don't tune in to hear what I think about everything. You know, do I analyze based on my experience in the business, my experience covering politics and culture? Yeah, mm -hmm. sure. But I'll try to be fair. Yeah. In this election season, I think about Ronald Reagan winning two elections and George Bush winning a, a term after him. And media then was much more centralized, Howard. And Absolutely. You only had a handful of players. The and gatekeepers. Yeah. And, and yet Reagan won. <laughs> and well, conservatives would probably argue that things have to be really bad to overcome an alleged stacked media against them. What is your view on that? I've talked to a lot of Republicans and Republican GOP consultants about this who say, look, it's like complaining about bad weather. We go into elections knowing that uh, there's a tilt against us. And as you say, the Ronald Reagans of the world have managed to overcome that. I mean, the media have a lot of influence, but they don't ultimately decide elections. Ultimately, it is fought out between the candidates. Um, and so I think the people who tend to blame us, and by the way, we get it from the left too. A lot of people, uh, Bernie Sanders voters. Yeah, what, what do they say? Democratic primaries think that we have more influence than we actually do, but we're not without our influence. When you look at the new landscape and social media, I mean, how do you gauge Facebook and Apple News and how that's changing 
access or consumption of political news? I think Facebook and particularly Twitter have absolutely transformed the media business. And it's incredibly healthy that anybody, you don't need a printing press, you don't need a television studio, can go online and for the force of their personality and their writing, can attract a bit of an audience and be followed by other people or influence other people. That is great. At the same time, anybody who spent any time on Twitter knows it can also be a toxic stew and that you can get mm. attacked no matter how fair you try to be. Um, in the most personal terms, women particularly get a lot of misogyny online. And so that is sort of the dark side of it. But on balance, we ain't never going back. And I wouldn't want to go back to a time when only uh, you know three broadcast networks and a handful of major newspapers and magazines essentially controlled the agenda. Yeah, I, I wonder about that, that meeting that Dana Perino and a few others mm-hmm. had in uh, California. What was it, six months ago? With the, yeah, about w- that. With Facebook? I mean, do you, do you see that as a continuing issue as to how you aggregate news and how you work it into an algorithm and what kicks out and what doesn't? Facebook has become perhaps uh, the most powerful delivery system for news in the country. I mean, every major media organization, including ours, tries to have a major Facebook presence and whether people click on the stories there or like them or follow the links, uh, it's incredibly powerful. So if Mark Zuckerberg out in California is hiring people who are mostly left-leaning and they decide the trending topics and they've admitted, Facebook has admitted that it's screwed this up, that can put a digital thumbprint on the scale. Mm. Do you think there's a lesson uh, from this election? You know, every four years they seem to have their own personality. Uh, as it relates to the media and, and the coverage, be it Trump or Clinton, um, the what, one what, lesson, what's the story right now, do you think? The one lesson I think that we're missing, and it's easy to say, wow, Trump is covered too harshly, not harshly enough. Some people think that we gave him too much free airtime in the primaries. I would say he earned it, although we also you know, covered a lot of those live rallies. The lesson that's being missed here is just about everybody in this profession misjudged or outright missed Uh, the rise of Donald Trump because they were largely out of touch with the anger and frustration among millions of Americans who Trump appealed to. And we ought to do some soul searching about that because a guy who was, you know, you remember back in 2015 when all these brilliant people uh, we work with at various places uh, would come on the air or write columns saying, well, you know, Trump's a sideshow. Well, he's going to fade in a couple months. Well, he has no chance of winning the nomination. He won. Mm. And he won not just through the force of his personality and his mastery of the media. He won because he touched a nerve in the country that most journalists underestimated or unaware of. Ah, Well done. All right. You ready for 22 questions, Howard? I'll give it a shot. All right. Cue the music, folks. Here we go now. Favorite monument in Washington, D.C. Go. Jefferson Memorial right down there by the water, Uh, especially at Cherry Blossom time. Nice. What's your guilty pleasure? Uh, playing tennis, I've taken it up late in life. I'm still learning to serve better, but I love tennis. I watch the tenonitis. Uh, your favorite thing to do on the weekend? Let's see. Hang out with my kids because I work so many hours, especially at election time, that I like to spend some time with great, my daughters. Great answer. Who's your dream guest, Howard? Well, I usually say Paul McCartney, but I think right now I'm going to say Bob Dylan because he <laughs> just won the Nobel Peace Prize and <laughs> seems to be blowing off the Academy. I'm with you on that. What's the coolest thing in your house? Um, well, if you judge it by demand, I would say it's the iPad because we're always fighting for it so we can watch Netflix. Good answer. What's the coolest thing in your office? Uh, I have a character of myself, caricature that was made at one of the conventions, and I've got a very long neck and the hair and everything. And uh, it was nice. It's like being portrayed on SNL. It's nice to reach that level that somebody made a, That's a cartoon of me. Uh, what's your favorite board game? Um, I think I'm going to say Monopoly, oldie but goodie. Uh, bottled water or tap water? 
Um, I'm happy with tap water. I think, uh, I mean, I buy bottled water, but I think we're all paying too much for that stuff. Facebook or Twitter? Twitter. I'm addicted to Twitter. What's the first website you visit in the morning? Uh, sometimes it's media eye to see how uh, our profession's doing. Got it. Do you have a favorite app? Favorite app? Uh, I, it's got to be Netflix because I've been spending more and more time watching old TV shows on that one. Washington, D.C. or New York City? Pick one. I'm from Brooklyn, but Washington is a very easy place to live. New York is a very competitive place to live. Yeah. Favorite holiday? Favorite holiday? Hmm. Fourth of July. Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts? Uh, I'll pick Dunkin' for the donuts because I guess I can reveal it here. I don't drink coffee. Uh, Unusual for a journalist. Uh, you're, you're one of them. Uh, what time did you get up this morning? About 6.45 a.m. How many? my phone. How many emails do you get a day? Uh, at least 300, sometimes 400. Favorite restaurant in Washington, D.C.? Fung Lin, a Chinese restaurant in Bethesda, Maryland. Best book you've ever read? Uh, let's see. Right now I'm reading uh, Doris Kearns Goodwin on Teddy Roosevelt and William Howard Taft and their friendship and rivalry. It is fascinating. If you were to binge watch a series, name that series. Definitely House of Cards. Another series, Cubs or Indians? Be going to go with the Cubs because it's been since, you know, 1945 that the Chicago team even won a pennant. Go Cubs. What's your favorite thing about the Fox News channel? The brilliant anchors. Come on. <laughs> now you're sucking up. The cool music. Howard Kurtz, host of Media Buzz. Check him out every Sunday in the Fox News channel. Howard, thank you. Great to be with you. Same here, Bill. You bet. Thank you for your time. I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.